right, we are going to get started. Uh, I've got 10 o'clock here. You can probably tell that I am in the pre-K room right now. This looked like it was the most friendly background that I could find. And so I decided to set up here. And we wanted to let you know that we um, had a church closure because of the extremes of the weather. Uh, we thought about folks who come to church and I have to do some adjustment along the way here. We thought about folks coming to church and and anybody could just say, I'm going to stay home. But we've got probably 15, 18 workers uh, that have to be here in order for us to open the doors and function well. And so we thought in light of the extreme of the weather that we would go ahead and have a closure this morning. And I would do something on Facebook Live uh, for you uh, who have Facebook. You're obviously uh, here or will be. Uh, you can pass on that the audio of this message will be uploaded to our webpage uh, just as soon as we're finished with it or shortly thereafter. Um, let me get started with just a few things that I wanted to mention to us as a church family. Uh, then we'll pray and I've got a Bible study that's a little bit different just because the situation is a little bit different. So I worked something up uh, for this. Wanted to mention, Donna asked that you be aware that your contribution statements are in the office and you're able to pick those up next week if you use them for IRS purposes. Uh, I also wanted to mention that next, beginning next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we're going to start a Next Steps class downstairs. And Next Steps is for those who have been coming to church here for a while or a little while and you'd like to know a little bit more about what we believe, get to know some of the folks that we uh, have um, taking various ministry leader positions. Uh, there's a fellowship time. It's just a time to get to know others and get to know us as a church a little bit better. That'll be next week at 9 o'clock, um, and it goes for six weeks usually, uh, six weeks, and then we have a fellowship dinner afterwards and want to invite you to that if, you, if that fits for your situation. Also, beginning uh, January 25th on Thursday evenings, we're going we're gonna to begin having a Free Indeed class. Free Indeed is a Christ-based 12-step recovery uh, program. Mickey Taze is going to be leading that. He's done that in the past. He has a heartbeat for that. Um, he has seen God give him victories uh, through mutual uh, accountability as well as encouragement in the scriptures. And that's free indeed. It's not just for our church, it's for our community as well. Um, sometimes even folks who live in other communities like to travel a little bit of distance to uh, have a little bit of um, anonymity. Uh, so that begins Thursday the 25th. Lynn Midget is asking us uh, in the spirit of celebrating marriage uh, to, to give her some pictures, a picture of when you were uh, newly married as well as a present day picture uh, and if you could get those to her she wants to use those especially during Valentine's Day but we want to find a way to um, celebrate and uh, make a strong statement of what we consider to be biblical marriage. Uh, there is a Freedom Gala uh, a fundraising dinner uh, from the Rehope Ministry that helps sex traffic victims is coming up. And I really need to get those that might be interested signed up this week. Um, if that's something that you would be interested in, uh, there is a cost to it. The monies all go to this particular ministry. Um, so if you're interested in that, text me or Donna and let me know. 
Chris McLeod asked that we mention that he would like a team of Sunday morning greeters to be able to stand at the door. Could be individuals, could be whole families, um, receiving others from 945 until our worship service begins. So if you're interested in that, uh, you could talk with Chris uh, McLeod. Appreciate that. Why don't we do this? Let me just mention one more time. The reason we're not having an in-house service this morning is because of the extreme of the weather. And uh, we felt like we could uh, come together for a Bible study, be, encur be encouraged mutually that way. Obviously, if we had this kind of extreme all of the time, we'd have to figure out how to, how to get around it. Um, but because it's uh, rare here, uh, we felt like we could do this and still be honoring to our Lord. Why don't we do this? Let me lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into a Bible study. Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning, acknowledge you as the one who is creator, the high and lofty one, uh, the one who rules heaven and earth, and we submit to that rule. We thank you that you have a plan for the ages, that you're working your plan, and I pray that you would grow us in our conformity to Christ, that we would be cooperators with you, used by you. And Father, should there be anyone uh, listening or watching uh, that doesn't have a dynamic, real, genuine, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we pray that you would open their hearts through the power of your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, that they also might be adopted into your family, forgiven. And we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, what I had planned was we were going to go through Genesis 7 and look at specifically the flood. Uh, that's where that happens, the animals coming out of the ark. Um, but because of the setting that we have here, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more Bible study-ish. And so I put this together, uh, and I'm just going to get started. I want to talk about some strong statements that are made in Psalm 119, just to, be, just to launch us uh, into our Bible study. And maybe you would want to read through Psalm 119. It's long, it's lengthy, uh, but it is all centered around the Word of God. Um, David wrote, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path forever. O Lord, your word is firm, firmly fixed in the heavens. That's verse 89 of that psalm. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And I wanted to speak specifically to everybody, but the super church kids that might be listening, as well as teenagers, all of us really, um, let's learn from the psalmist who wrote about God's word and the significance and the importance of it. And let's, and let's um, hide God's word in our heart and set it as a life goal to meditate on it and learn from it uh, that we might be able to be equipped for everything that God desires. And that's what we're going to find that we uh, uh, discover today in the New Testament as well. Second Timothy chapter 3 has a strong statement about God's word, uh, just like Psalm 119 has. We find it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, encased in a statement about last days. Listen to this. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of themselves. This is why it gets difficult. For people, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, 
unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And then he says, avoid such people. So in the last days, difficult times will come. And the reason they come is because of those types of characteristics uh, by those that dwell upon the earth. And uh, then he gives an illustration. We're not going to read it just for time purposes. Verses 6 through 9 of Jannes and Jambres back in Moses' day. And then Paul encouraged Timothy in verse 10 by saying this. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings. And then in verse 14, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for uh, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I want us to think about the word of God this morning and its effectiveness. We read some phrases from Psalm 119. There are others, many, many others in Psalm 119, as well as all throughout scripture of God's word and its effectiveness. And then here's a strong statement as well in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's timely. We look at in the last days and the qualities and the characteristics that individuals are going to have. And if we open our eyes or we read our newspaper or we listen to our blogs or however you receive media, news media, we recognize that that describes where we live. And we need to be uh, especially, especially mindful of the word of God and what it teaches, be grounded in it so that we'll be able to be pleasing unto the Lord and that we can avoid the things that are, that uh, should be avoided as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he speaks of a five, a five-fold ministry or five-fold work of the word of God. And let me just highlight these, and then we're going to work our way through them. One is salvation. The other, another is teaching. Uh, you could use the word doctrine there as well, but teaching, the ministry of reproof, the ministry of correction, and the work or the ministry of the Word of God in training in righteousness. The Bible has a lot to say about God's Word, which is God's Word, the Bible. Listen to Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. The effectiveness of the word of God. And one of the reasons that we know God's word is effective is because of Jesus and all of the things that were fulfilled from God's word about him. 
He's batting a thousand. We've said that before. God says something, you can take it to the bank, it's going to happen. The timing we might not understand all the time, but if God says it, he says, my word is going to go from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Listen to what Jesus had to say about his word. The tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is, the word of God is as or more significant than the food that we eat. It's just absolutely critical that we have it for spiritual, uh, to spiritually sustain our lives. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, Jesus said, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. John 3, 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remind, uh, remains on him. It's just critical um, to our spiritual well-being. In Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, we find five, five areas, five things that the Word of God does. And I want us to talk through um, those five things. In verse 15, he says, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The sacred writings that Paul's referring to when he writes Timothy here is especially uh, the Old Testament um, and that Jesus quoted as authoritative as the Word of God. It could also be referring to the New Testament writings, the scriptures that were in the process of being written as well as being circulated throughout the, throughout the church in, in those days. These writings, especially the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, uh, Paul says, were able to make Timothy wise unto salvation. It's through Genesis, the writings in the Old Testament, that we learn that God is creator. It's through God's law given through Moses that we learn that we've sinned, that we've missed the mark, that we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain, that we shouldn't commit adultery, that we should honor our mothers and our fathers, that we shouldn't lie, that we should keep the Sabbath, that we shouldn't steal. And as we read through those things, we recognize I've fallen short. I've broken the law. And as we learned somewhat recently, James says that we've broken the law in one point, we've broken it in all points. And so therefore, the law was our tutor Galatians says, to bring us to Christ, these Old Testament scriptures that make you wise unto salvation, they were our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified in faith. But after faith has come, he says we're no longer under a tutor. We find in the sacred writings the promise of the Messiah, one who would, have, one who would save his people from their sins. And so Paul would write in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And then he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
And I speak to the adults, but I want to speak to the teenagers and I want to speak to the children. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is emphasized from Genesis to Revelation. And it's the only way that we're, that we're found pleasing unto the Lord. That if we, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. With the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth confession is made and for with the mouth uh, uh, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will, be, will not be put to shame. The word of God, a work of it, a ministry of it, is that it makes you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Apart from the word of God, we wouldn't have that wisdom unto salvation. We wouldn't have that word. But the ministry of the work and the word uh, of the but the ministry and work of the word of god doesn't stop there it makes us wise unto salvation but it's not supposed to stop there the idea of i'm in now i don't have to care we don't find that anywhere in scripture the ministry and the work of the word doesn't stop there because it says in verse 16 in second timothy 3 all scripture is breathed out or given by inspiration of god and is profitable for teaching profitable for teaching all scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by him, himself. We don't just have Moses and his thoughts in the Pentateuch. We don't just have David and his thoughts and the things that he penned or the other writers, whether they be major prophets or minor prophets or New Testament writers. God inspired them so much so that as their pen touched the page, they wrote the very words God desired. He used their personalities and their educations or their lack thereof or their experiences. But when Joel wrote what Joel wrote, it was the word of God because the spirit of God was carrying him along. Second Peter, Peter mentions that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along, as they were borne along by the Holy Spirit. And so when Peter wrote and Matthew wrote and Paul wrote, what they wrote was the very word of God. We have the word of God that is breathed out, inspired by him, and it's profitable. It's profitable for teaching, divine instruction, what we should believe. And then he moves to how we should carry ourselves in light of what we should believe. God's word, scripture, is superior, always has been, always will be, to man's thoughts. Loftier than what we might think is conventional wisdom. We live our 40 or our 60 or our 80 or however many years the Lord gives us, and sometimes we can begin to think more highly of ourselves um, than what we ought to. God's word is always going to be superior to that. When we're convinced that our thoughts are superior to God's revelation, whether it's individually or from government or from the rich and the famous or the highly educated or the religious, uh, whether it's about morality or religiosity or sexuality or the complexities of our emotions and how we should heal ourselves or theology itself, whatever other subject we might think of, if it's our thoughts, we're always going to fall short of what his thoughts are. Or when my thoughts go contrary to something of his thoughts, his thoughts are always going to be superior, no matter how just or how much I think I can justify what I think. First Corinthians chapter one says this, the foolishness of God 
is wiser than men. His foolishness is wiser than the wisest who walk among us. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. The very weakest, weakest point that God would have, if he would have any, would be stronger than anything that we have in, 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 in our strength. The natural man, the one who is not indwelt by the Spirit of God, doesn't receive Scripture as God's Word. That shouldn't surprise us. That doesn't mean that they don't know some of it or maybe much of it, even acknowledge it as superior in some manner. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly or they are foolishness to him. That we would live by faith is a foolishness to the natural man. He's not able to discern the things of the Spirit of God because those things that are written are spiritually discerned and the natural man doesn't have the spiritual life within him until he's born again by the Spirit of God, which comes from the Word of God as well and the Spirit of God working in our heart. But you, John said, have an anointing from the Holy One and the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you and actually that anointing, the Holy Spirit, is our teacher. Let me add this, and that's the importance of you and I remaining teachable. I came to know the Lord in 1980, and I've studied and I meditate on God's Word, and now I'm 66, and that's a lot of years, but I continue to need to maintain a teachable spirit because I'm always needing to grow in the Lord. Um, it, it's, it's just critical. Uh, as God grows me in a particular area, um, something that he's fine-tuning in my heart, in my life, whether it's a belief or whether it's an activity that I'm doing, likely there's going to be a domino effect and other areas are going, to be, are going to be affected as well. So let's maintain not just an openness to the Word of God, to listen to it, acknowledge it as superior, as from God, but let's be teachable as well so that God might have his way and grow us up in the conformity of Christ, which is something that he seeks to do every day as long as we walk on this earth. One more thing about the profitable ministry of the teaching of the Word of God. It is impossible to believe and understand and follow something that I don't know. And so I can't know God's Word is not an excuse. You can. You have the Spirit of God. He's given you the Word of God. It requires work. You have to roll up your sleeves. You have to study. But I, I, I must understand it and know it before I can believe it and follow it. And what happens sometimes in the church, and I've seen this, you've seen it as well, is that others are following someone else who is growing in the Word rather than growing in the Word themselves and following the Lord. We've got to be very, very, very careful of that. Hosea would say this, My people, Old Testament Israel, are destroyed for their lack of knowledge, and the inference is their lack of knowledge of God's word, what he had said. That's why we have um, and encourage scripture readings. When we come together on Sunday morning, like what we're doing this morning, uh, even though we're apart but together, is we're reading and considering a portion of the word of God. It isn't just to fill time in a worship service that we'll read a portion of the Word of God. We need to hear His Word read publicly. We need to be exhorted and to listen to it. That's why we always read and study a portion of God's Word during our messages. That's why our kids have Bible lessons on, the, on their level during Super Church, the significance of the Word of God. The Word of God is profitable for teaching. 
It makes you wise unto salvation as well. It is profitable for teaching. And as it teaches us, we move into the next arena. The word of God is also profitable for reproof. Reproof. Reproof carries with it the idea of being rebuked or reproved in order to correct a misbehavior or something that I believe is correct, but in reality is not. It can lead me to live out something that's improper if I'm incorrect in what I believe. It can, it can cause me to be improperly motivated as well. And so not only does the Word of God teach me, but then it reproves me. It, it reproves me and it, um, it rebukes me in the arenas that I'm wrong. And I have a question for you, for me as well. When was the last time that the Word of God reproved you? When was the last time that as you were hearing the Word of God or that you were reading the Word of God, when was the last time that it reproved you or that it rebuked you? If it's true that the Word is profitable for reproof, and you genuinely let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you will likely be able to come up with an example of the last time God's word reproved you somewhat easily. We know we're not perfect. We know we haven't arrived. And we need to approach God's word not just as an intellectual exercise, but let it penetrate to the heart. And we're going to read a scripture about that. And let it correct my thoughts, correct my beliefs, and correct the paths that I take as well. We don't want to read the word just as an intellectual exercise. Let it dwell in us richly, rather, is the goal. Transforming us as followers of Christ to the image of Christ. And as followers of his, we should all experience the reproving ministry of the word of God from time to time. There are times in, that we don't need to be reproved. We're walking with the Lord. We're thankful for it. And then we find ourselves believing or going or meditating on or our tongues speak or our bellies become our gods. And the word of God needs to reprove us. An example of this would be when Galatians 2, when Cephas came to Antioch, Paul said, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party or the Jews who had believed as well. And so the word of God was used by Paul, by God through Paul to rebuke Peter, to bring him into line with, there's no distinction, Jews and Gentiles are the same in Christ, because it's in Christ, that's the emphasis there. As a believer, when you when your motives for doing something is wrong, God's word will expose it. Sometimes it's just a still small voice. Sometimes it's your conscience that pricks you, but it's God's word that exposes it. As a believer, if you've been indoctrinated and believe something that's not quite right, and that's probably true of all of us because we're all growing, God's word will shed light on it. We're being conformed to the image of Christ, and God is greatly committed to that sanctification process, something that Joshua spoke well of last week in the motive for why we do what we do uh, in, the, in the sanctification process. You might want to go back and listen to that message. God is greatly committed to that process. But do you know who is hard to reprove, who it's difficult to uh, rebuke? The proud. Someone who, who, who thinks they know all the answers. Someone who thinks a little more highly of themselves than they ought to. Sometimes the one who has a lot of knowledge, but 
knowledge puffs up. But even then, as a follower of Christ, God uses his word to teach and reprove. Aren't we glad that he's patient in that process, but he's committed to it and he uses his word through the power of his spirit uh, to conform us to Christ. The word that is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, which is a short dagger, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is able to discern the thoughts and intents of Jerry's heart. You could fill your name in there as well. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And God is committed in that sanctification process to conforming us to the image of Christ. His word is, makes us wise unto salvation. It teaches us. And then what it does is reprove or rebukes us in the arenas that we're wrong in our belief or in our activities as well. The word of God exposes, it reproves false doctrine, false teachers, that's true, but it also reproves the believer, the follower of Christ. The next thing in line, and they're just like dominoes, they fall together, the word of God is also profitable for correction. This is the word one commentator wrote, this is a word that's used for restoring something to its original or proper or intended condition. The word of God is profitable for correction. It restores you to the original or proper or intended condition. So once the reproving work of the word happens, the cor then correction comes along and restores and builds us up. To the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, the uh, Spirit of God would have Paul commend them to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are being sanctified. The idea there is that the word of God is, the word of his grace is able to set you on the correct path uh, so, that, so that you have an inheritance among those who are sanctified. There's a good example of correction in the small letter to Philemon. Onesimus was Philemon's slave, both living in Colossae. It appears, it doesn't say it specifically, but it appears that Onesimus had stolen from Philemon and then ran away. He wasn't, he wasn't a believer when he did. That can happen with a believer as well. Shouldn't, but it can't. It appears that he had stolen something from Philemon, then he ran away. He encountered Paul in one of his imprisonments, and Paul led him to faith in Christ. And then Paul sent him back to Philemon, this time as a brother, with a word for Philemon to receive him. So the effective ministry of the word brought salvation to Onesimus. It taught him who he was in Christ. It reproved him for his inappropriate behavior towards Philemon. And then it brought about correction also as he went back. Let the, let the ministry of the word of God do its work. It is profitable. The ministry, let me speak a, a, a word about the ministry of the word in evangelism. When you and I seek to, 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 when you and I seek to speak with someone else about Christ, speak the word and let it penetrate. Our goal isn't to win a conversation or to win an argument or to humanly only persuade someone that Jesus is the way unto salvation. Let the word of God penetrate. The goal isn't to get through the gospel. Let the ministry of the word do its job. 
to, to have the goal of getting all the way through the gospel when somebody isn't even buying into the reality that they've sinned and broken God's law. They don't need a savior yet. They need to let the word of God penetrate their heart and break their heart that they have, that they have sinned before holy God. Let the word do its work in evangelism. Let the word do its work in our theological discussions also. I'll read things online and I'm thinking, my word, this just isn't even in the spirit of the Lord. Let the word of God do its work. Sometimes it seems that in theological discussions, the goal is nothing more than winning an argument, shedding light on how much I know about a particular a particular topic, rather than letting the word of God penetrate someone's heart, let the Spirit of God use it so that they, so that He might grow them into into what He desires that they believe and how they and how they work and walk. The Word of God corrects us; it brings salvation, it teaches us, it reproves us, and it corrects us. And finally, the Word of God is also profitable for training in righteousness. This is the same idea as training up a child in the way he should go or growing in spiritual disciplines or training as an athlete also. Here it applies to growing and training in righteousness. And it's the word of God that's effective in doing that. The spirit of God applying the word of God after salvation, after reproof, after excuse me, after teaching, reproof, correcting, and now it trains us in righteousness as well. As a believer, God is continually conforming me to the image of Christ. I'm being trained in righteousness, especially the spiritual dynamics spoken of in Scripture, like loving and forgiving and encouraging and bearing fruit and using my gifts and being filled with the Spirit. All of these collectively, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, it says in verse 17. That salvation, the salvation it brings, the teaching, the reproving, the correcting, the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God using the effective ministry of his word is what completes us. Not 30 or 40 years in the faith or a particular ministry title in church. It's the word of God having its way in our heart and in our lives. That's what completes us and equips us for every good work. So the challenge for us is to step up our journey in understanding the word of God. Not just be content with the habits that I have, but to step it up so that I can understand more about who God is because he's given us his word. It could be a, it could be a, a purposing to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe it's been a while since you've done that. Maybe you've never done that. And just get in a big picture of, of who God is and what he's doing through reading through the Bible in a year. Or, or maybe read a book of the Bible in a month, in one setting. Uh, having a goal of sometime in the month of January, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read through the Gospel of John or I'm going to read through Genesis in one setting so that you get a good understanding of a big picture rather than the small details. 
It might be that you're stepping up for you is a commitment to read a little bit about a little bit of God's word every day. Maybe you haven't created that spiritual discipline. We eat food every day that we might grow. We need God's word as well that we might grow, that I may know him. It might be learning how to look up key words in a verse or, or use a Bible program so that you can understand what words mean or cross references, but stepping up our journey to understand his words so that we can know him better. Memorizing a verse for the purpose of meditating on it. That might be the goal as well. But what I wanted us to be challenged with this morning and comforted by as well is that God's word is effective. It's always going to be effective. It will always return uh, doing what it is that he desires that it does, um, it's, it, as, I, as it says over in Isaiah. And so let's let the word of God make us wise unto salvation. And can, that doesn't mean that I'm saved. I don't need to, to grow anymore in what I understand about salvation. I grow in my understanding of it so that I can line up my thoughts about what God says about salvation with what his thoughts are. It makes me wise unto salvation. It teaches me. It reproves me. It, it, it corrects me. And then it trains me that I, that I would be equipped for every righteous act and activity that God would have uh, for me. I wanted to uh, challenge us with that this morning. It's important for me. I'm confident that it's important for you as well. And so I, I hope that as God applies it to your heart, that you'll take it to heart, um, that we might grow to be exactly who, that we might grow to be exactly who he wants us to be as we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Jesus is our hope and he's the process as well. Let me lead us in a word of prayer together and then we'll just go ahead and close this off. Heavenly Father, we bow before you pray for those that are watching and listening, uh, that know you by your grace, by your mercy, um, that we would be purposeful about growing in your word, that your ministry of the word would find uh, soft soil in our hearts and conform us to the image of Christ. We thank you for who Jesus is and that he is everything and that you've given us your word that we learn how to do spiritual battle here on earth. Father, for those that are here, perhaps listening, that don't have a personal relationship with you, um, use the law to show them how they've um, sinned before holy God and the gospel that Jesus uh, was born, that he died sinless, that he sacrificed himself, that they might have life, and that calling upon the name of the Lord is absolutely critical. And so we pray to that end as well. Um, I pray that we wouldn't just be religious, but that it would be genuine relationship that we have with you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for modern day technology that we can do what we're doing here this morning. And we pray that we'd be cooperators with you. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining in uh, here online or a little bit later on by listening to the audio. Again, that's going to be uploaded to our webpage for those who don't have Facebook. And... Uh, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, stay warm and safe, and uh, Lord bless you.